Welcome, everybody, to episode 236 of the Metabeaters 2 podcast, which features David and Ben and the Star Beast. Star Beast. Star Beast. <laughs> new, new Doctor Who. This is the first new story that we've had since Power of the Doctor. So it's been a while. It's been it's, it's been a, it's been, a it's been a year, right? It's been almost a year. When was Power of the Doctor? I really can't remember now. Um, a long time ago. A long... Long... Yeah, more. I think more than a year. Anyway, it was a while ago, um, and we've been waiting for some new Who to come along, and now it's all come along. Yeah, it's back, baby. It's back on Disney Plus. Did you watch on Disney Plus, or did you watch through? Uh, VPN or how did how did you go about? Don't don't like the implications that I watch British <laughs> television through a VPN. How dare you? Well, you you have you? a license. We do have a license. That is true. So we, we do. Why would you not? We do own a television license. That is true. No, um, we watched on Disney Plus. Oh, and it was okay. I I, I don't know. I I think I might have got the sound stuff mixed up. If someone was telling me that it's apparently it was broadcast in five point one, whatever mm. that is. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure that our television can handle that. Hmm. Um, so I found it quite hard to hear what was going on. Hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to yeah. have to twiddle around with our controls. I'm going to have to deconfibulate the confibulator. Uh-huh. Reverse the polarity of the audio flow. Before <laughs> um, next week. Um, but anyway, yeah, I watched it on Disney Plus mm-hmm. um, in glorious high definition. And the Disney Plus experience was just fine for the amount of money we're paying for it so it should be excellent how did you watch yours well i actually watched the bbc version of it oh cool excellent through uh means that shall remain undisclosed well but... <laughs> well please yeah please don't discuss them live on air um wow i was was there any difference is there any difference i, I, I do not know i've heard murmurs on the internet that the opening title credits and the closing credits were slightly adjusted to uh make Disney more prominent okay. than they were in the BBC version. Well, I'd, I'd be able to help you with that if we'd been able to watch the credits, Disney, Walt Disney, <laughs> Mickey Mouse, whoever I should be. But no, Mickey it was Mouse. Like, they small boxed it and like there was no like option to watch the credits. It was like, wow. no, you, you can't watch the credits. You are you done. To, you have to look at a big advert for watching Doctor Strange instead because of course if I like Doctor Who I'm bound to like Doctor Strange because they're both doctors and well and they're both played by British actors well that's true though Benedict Cumberbatch is putting on an unconvincing American accent so I'm assuming (laughs) he's pretending to be an American in Doctor Strange who knows is it unconvincing or is it uh, it's it's like Perry (laughs) well it's not quite not quite as unconvincing (laughs) as that it's slightly more convincing than Nicola Bryant's slightly less convincing than someone who actually is an American. All right. Or Bob Hoskins. Did you see The Diplomat? Uh, did I see The, the Diplomat? Netflix series. No. Is, is he in that? No, Pearl Mackey's in there doing a really good American accent. Really? In there. Yeah. The Diplomat. Highly recommend it, The Diplomat. Goodness. And is it, what, is it like a thriller or like a, just a show about diplomats? The setup is uh, an American diplomat, uh, Kate Weiler, is on her way to Kabul, and then a a British aircraft carrier, the HMS uh, Courageous, is attacked in the Persian Gulf, and then she is rerouted to be the ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the U.K., and I'm about halfway through it, and it is very good. 
goodness, because we, we're, we're actually stuck for a show right now. So um, maybe we'll look that one up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting. There's so, I mean, there's a lot of British actors who could do really good. We've talked about this before, who can do really good American accents. Mm-hmm. Um, Cumberbatch is not one of them. Well, thankfully, thankfully, bringing it back to the Star Beast, Sorry, not a single single American accent was heard, as far as I could tell. Uh, no, they're all they're all British people. Yes, yes as is right and proper. Now, was uh, Tennant doing a Scottish accent? Was he doing his natural accent in there, or was he doing his... No, no, he's not. I mean, this is one of the things that I was sort of vaguely surprised at me. Not, mm-hmm. Did it surprise me? Um, I sort of was expecting it, but I thought they would, they would have made more an effort, more of an effort to make him differenter mm-hmm. from, from the Tenth Doctor. Um, and he wasn't really different at all. Well, he was less arrogant. It was less arrogant. I, I didn't really fall for the whole arrogant, like, mm. lonely god or whatever he was called um, <laughs> in those specials. I didn't really fall for that. He was just David Tennant right. did, doing his thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I noticed he said Allons-y at least once, which is, okay, yeah, well, that's well. a thing that, that, that the past doctor said. So, anyway, so I don't think they were trying hard enough. I think they missed a trick. I think he should have done it Scots. Yeah. But then we've just had Peter Capaldi, so um, mm. <laughs> maybe they felt it would be too it would be too similar. He could have taken on a a Welsh accent there, just oh, he could, totally mix it up. <laughs> we could have done, could have done an Edinburgh accent, something like this, <laughs> in, instead of wherever he's from. I guess he's probably from Edinburgh. Um, anyway, I don't know where he's from. Um, so yeah, I thought there should have been a little bit more. Like this is an actual different Doctor. Though I'll have to say we've got two more episodes to go before Shooty turns up. Mm-hmm. He's also a Scotsman, of course, obviously. Yep. Um, and there may be an in-universe explanation for all this. There could be. I, Who knows? They certainly danced around it, and I think the explanation supplied is Donna was important, and the Doctor left Donna in a bad state with the meta crisis so he had to come back and fix it um i was very pleased um just a kind of first instance there was no regeneration malarkey yeah as both of us know the whole kind of dragging it out for like episode after episode of like oh he's recovering from or she recovering from regeneration it's awful blah 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 none of that straight in i i wonder whether some of that is to do with uh, you know, Russell being very uh, out front and saying that the, the the run of the 14th Doctor's adventures in Doctor Who magazine is canon. Therefore, he's already had a bunch of adventures. Hmm. So that's maybe why they decided not to do any regeneration crisis. But whatever the reason, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, he didn't have much of any regeneration crisis in the DWM serial either. No, he didn't. That's true. And also he's obtained a sonic screwdriver from somewhere. Well, I think past doctors had the TARDIS console supply them oh, a dispenser okay. in the console. So I would assume that uh, that continues. Okay. Well, I mean, spoiler alert: he's had his um, he's had his Jody Sonic Screwdriver destroyed by Daleks in the in Doctor Who magazine, yeah. Um, yeah. and I, I we, they, it hasn't been replaced yet. Um, so maybe that there's probably another adventure coming for us um, pre this Ooh. one. Or post um, post the trip to Scaro. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where all the, or where all this is going to fit in. Yeah, I would imagine that DWM would have Shooty in there starting with the January issue. I guess, yeah. Because he, he will be the doctor as of Christmas. Yeah, so who knows? Or, you know, maybe we're looking at, like, some different Doctor Adventure things. Who knows? Anyway. More spinoffs. We can come with spinoffs. We could probably come on to that. Um, 
So first impressions, you said you enjoyed it, I believe. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I mean, apart from like not being able to hear what was going on. Um, <laughs> did you revert to subtitles then? Um, I, I didn't because I hate subtitles. But uh. I think when I watch it again, which I will undoubtedly do, I, unless I can get the sound fixed, I will put subtitles on. I really liked it. I thought it was typical Russell T. Davis episode, um, mm-hmm. which means you a lot of emotion, a lot of running around, a lot of techno babble characters to the foreground and uh you know big themes to the background and i thought it was great that you know obviously we're adapting a comic strip from the doctor's history some all the way back Mm -hmm. in 1979 um so you know this is a callback to you know the history of the show entirely appropriate for the 60th anniversary actors were uniformly excellent there wasn't a duff note in any of it i thought maybe that ruth madeley was a little bit arch um, mm, no, I, I thought she was great, actually. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I thought she was a little bit kind of wink-wink, I'm on a TV show, ha-ha-ha. No, I think um, it was more wink-wink that I'm not that impressed by you, Doctor. I've read the file, but it's not like Osgood, right. who's totally fangirling. That's true. It's a good contrast to Osgood, and hopefully her character will you know develop further mm-hmm. as we have more unit-themed adventures, as yeah. undoubtedly we'll, we will going down the pipe. Yeah, I think so, because Kate Stewart was name-checked there, uh, looking after Absolutely. I think she's uh, back, the yeah. lovely Wilf Mott. Yeah, and I think, so I read somewhere that there's a new kind of brigadier, a, a new kind of military adjutant oh. to Kate Lethbridge-Stewart coming in. I don't know, anyway. Well, I'm hoping it was Major Singh. I, I liked uh, the Sikh headdress. Oh, maybe that was him. Oh, yeah, okay, it, it could uh, be. The actor is Ronak Patani. Let's hope he stays in, because he was brilliant. I thought he was great. Yeah, and the other actor, the one who was taken over by the uh, psychedelic son, uh, Colonel Chan. So maybe those are the the new uh, unit squaddies that we'll see around. Let's hope so, because they were both yeah. excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and to have one of them who's like super efficient, um, and the uh, another one that's like super conducive to being taken over by alien forces, <laughs> then we're kind of back to the original unit format yeah, there. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, what did you feel? I, I'm detecting. Uh, that you also enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. It was a fast-paced adventure, and I watched it with my lovely wife, Rita, and I had not spoiled it at all for her. And I, So I was kind of watching watching the show and watching her, and you know, she bought Hook, Line, and Sinker, the Meep oh. portrayal, and the, and the, the whole uh, um, bait-and-switch of the Meep character, and that is just so... It's wonderful to see someone experience that and sort of like, I I heard her gasp (laughs) when in the car park during the trial when Miriam Margulis says, all right, just hell with this. this." Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, pulls out the blaster and and downs the Wraith Warriors. So I think she might have started twigging that things weren't all that they seemed when we have pretty uh, affected RP uh, accents of the Wraith Warriors, uh, the police officers right. cockroaches officer zagroff and officer drag but there was an audible gasp from rita when the meep switched amanda twigged i think about five minutes before she kind of turned to me and said uh, is the meep evil and i went oh you'll i can't you'll have to find out obviously <laughs> saying yes i was obviously saying yes the meep was evil mm-hmm. but anyway yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so my two favorite characters, I think, in there, aside from... It was really nice to see Tennant and Tate back in yep. their roles. Very good, um, yep. I think a very good good thing to do in a 60th anniversary. It's not the full-blown, heavy canon 
that uh, Moffat would want to do with the 50th. It's the 50th. It's the 60th. It's more of a small, a light to small touch, reunion. Yeah. I mean, it's 13 yeah. years since RTD was at the helm of Doctor Who. Uh, I like the new characters. I like Shirley Bingham, the scientific advisor. I liked uh, Major Singh. I even like the BBC reporter that just got yanked in the <laughs> yanked in the unit van. Yeah, he's familiar. He's been in, he's been in yeah. other stuff, and I don't know where he's familiar from. I should have looked that up. Well, um, he's a comedian. I, he's Matt Green. Yes, he's a comedian, he and um, yeah, I don't. That's about all I know about him. Right, 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 right. But you could look at this as a crowded TARDIS because you had Sean Temple back, Carl Collins back as Sean Temple, uh, Donna's husband, and then you introduce uh, Yasmin Feeney as uh, Donna's daughter. And the entire cast, I thought it didn't seem like anyone was sidelined right. like in other times when you have crowded TARDISes, that everyone seemed to have a role. I think RTD was really good. He gave Sean Temple as a cab driver. He gave him a bit a place to shine. Yeah. Rose, of course, had a place to shine. Donna had a place to shine. Yep. Uh, I think even the unit squaddies had a place to shine. Sylvia Noble had a place to shine. It just absolutely he, even Fudge, you know, which was kind of a, a, right. a callback to the actual comic Star Beast, which was the, the um, I, uh, shoot, I can't remember what her name was now, the companion in. The original Star Beast. Um, Sharon, of course. Sharon, yeah. Sharon, Sharon. Yeah. So, yeah. So, effectively, Yasmin Feeney's Rose played Sharon's character in right. Star Beast with a rejiggering of a, of a plot. But Fudge was part of, like, Sharon's gang in the comics. So, it was nice that RTD even worked in that angle and in an admittedly an abridgment of the Star Beast. But I thought he hit all the key points of the star beast and the art the the design and we were talking about designers in the last podcast the design really nailed dave gibbons oh yeah visuals throughout with the spaceship and star beast the spaceship warriors and, and the warriors star- yeah it yeah. was all yeah it basically gibbons designed it i mean they the way that they translated that into into live action was was really impressive really impressive yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I find RTD's emotional beats really heavy-handed, but there was enough action and stuff going on, and just kind of the delight of seeing Tennant back as the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, Yeah. I mean, th- 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 thinking about action as well, and also design. One of the things that struck me is is obviously how much more money oh, is yeah. available um, at this point. Yes, um, indeed. You know, you get you get a gun battle, um, but then you get like a you know Land Rover flying into the air and exploding, mm-hmm. and you have an entire steelworks on fire, which I guess is the Uskmouth power station as usual. But whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really clear that um, and the, you know the all the animatronics um, to 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 get the two alien races working. Yeah, well, just the stuff that just to get. I watched the Doctor Who Unleashed, mm, that's what I, mm. and the amount of animatronics and just what was going on for the actor who was playing the meep, uh, Cicely Faye. 
She's, I think, four eight, so she was oh. just encased, right. encased in foam and fur, and was sweating profusely and could barely breathe. And she couldn't hear anything and couldn't see anything because there was all animatronics to control the eyes and the ears and whatever. So there was somebody off screen talking to her in a mouthpiece. She had a little earbud in, sort of like, okay, move your right, move your left, you know, raise your hands, walk this way, and. It's amazing what they can do. It's pretty impressive. And then, you know, all the CGI that's laid on top of that animatronic oh, yeah. to make the eyes, mm-hmm. you know, pupils contract. And it's, it's right. it was pretty astounding. Um, and I think, it, you know, obviously, you know, having watched it on Disney+, Plus, um, Disney, uh, I, obviously I've got no idea about how involved they are or how much more money it is or whatever. But mm-hmm. obviously they want this to be a similar kind of show. We're both, we're, currently we're both kind of enmeshed in having to watch Loki, which we're not really enjoying that much. But, you know, they want it to be on that standard. Yeah, it's a marquee product for Disney. Exactly. And and to have it be, you know, albeit, you know, very well done, but like, you know, a, a kind of a BBC bad wolf joint, which has got slightly rough edges. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want that. Right. They want this to be like a big explodey show. And it is. And, you know, I think the way that RTD is able to juggle characters and as you accurately point out, give them all something to do and have what they're doing to be kind of emotionally satisfying as well. I mean, that's one of his skills, basically. Mm-hmm. He's a great writer of ensemble casts. You know, you just yeah. look at his back catalogue, you know, years and years, and it's a sin. Uh, these are all ensemble cast projects. Yep. And he's really good at that kind of soap opera, just juggling everybody, making sure everyone fits in. And it's got something to do. And I think that was that was really clear. Uh, and just it was just so uh, I was kind of excited to see all that back again, basically. And it's interesting reading online. Obviously, there's the usual idiots who want to complain about wokeness. So let's just, just ignore those for a bit. But it, you know, it was interesting reading online how general consensus that you know, everyone really liked Jody and wanted the Chibnall era to succeed. Mm-hmm. But this is so much better. And I don't just mean the money, but just in every way. This is fun and interesting and engaging and not stupid. And when people do have to sit down and have a heart to heart, they do it in a reasonable point in the action rather than Mm -hmm. have to go to a cafe and sit down (laughs) for five minutes and talk about each other's fathers for I can't remember which bit, which story that was in, but it's really struck me that's oh, okay. They're just going to take some time out now to have an emotional bit. I think that was resolution. I think right? it was. I think it was. It, it, yeah. it was resolution. Um, it, it all. It, it, it just all works basically. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's that seems to be a consensus that this is really mm-hmm. Doctor Who is back in some kind of way. And it's got a lot of steam behind it. And let's just see where it's going to go. Indeed. And I think a chef kiss to Rachel Talley's direction yeah. to tie this Very all good. in. And especially especially the action scenes, which really could fall flat, but didn't. They were vibrant. They were exciting. They kept interest when it's effectively a possessed unit squaddies firing against Wraith Warriors, firing against uh, non-possessed unit squaddies. It was like a trifold battle. And right. It was hard to and, manage. Yeah. 
Yeah, hard to manage. And like you said, you have exploding Land Rovers being flipped over. You have the the business with the doctor and the Sonic going through the attics. It was a lot to juggle along, a lot of threads. And as as a viewer, I didn't feel like I got lost or confused by what's going on. And just the the, the kind of the mime acting that Tennant did moving the... Uh, I guess, sonic shields in place. Right. That was also really well done. And I think it's probably all CGI. So it must have been kind of mime acting. Yeah, um, you're right. I actually thought of that before. He's an excellent mime because that was totally miming. And that's a skill that we haven't seen David Tennant use before. But yeah, he could obviously mime with the, with the rest of them. And I really like, instead of just pointing the sonic at something and it making a buzzing noise, mm-hmm. and then you looking at it like it had a screen, which it obviously didn't, and then knowing some things, you know, the Sonic it can now it can make you a head up display in the air, and you can move things, and you know, <laughs> that kind of makes sense to me. You know, obviously the Sonic is a magic wand, and it gets you out of danger. Right. But if it's going to be something that can tell you things, let's see the things that it's telling you in some kind of actually graphic manner. So I thought the the kind of star map that the Sonic drew was perfect. I think the bulletproof screens, whether we see them again, who knows? I mean, maybe they're like the Dalek spinning midsection Mm -hmm. that we never saw again. It was just a nice piece of business. Um, I mean, completely unnecessary in some ways because they could have got up the stairs in any <laughs> right. in any way but you know it was just great to see the sonic doing something new that kind of fitted with its sonicness it was a good visual and then it's it's sonic isn't just this high tech shield thing i thought it was great that it was there to loosen the mortar the concrete you know sonic, sonic resonate then yeah it's something actually sonic uh, like an earthquake you know loose mortar uh, the one bit of business that I kind of liked is with the psychic paper not catching up, referring to the doctor as a woman, and then the quip you know, where he's talking to Sean Temple, you know, saying, uh, <laughs> I'm the keeper of the knowledge for cab drivers and whatever. And this sort of like, it says you're a she. And he says, oh, keep up. You know, I, <laughs> I thought that was, yes, nice. I thought it was a good gag. And he had, he had good gags acknowledging Jody's tenure as the doctor, which I thought was nice. And I thought it was yeah. well in that sense not heavy-handed uh the representation uh, the, the 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 meta crisis resolution was going to be a hand wave a simple thing and it's it's nice that it fit in with rtd's new agenda which is uh transgenders and rights etc i think it was nice to see that as the resolution since the resolution was going to be hand wavy anyways why not tie yeah. tie rose into it absolutely and i think even though outside the flow of the plot there is an, an agenda a need an agenda of a, a, a utility to you know talk about trans rights um mm-hmm. and the place of trans people in society etc cetera, etc cetera, in this show um i thought it was very it worked really well for me that the reason why rose was in was a character in the show is because she was key to undoing the metacrisis of her mother and that her transness was also key to that as well. And I thought that it was like, okay, well, there you go. She's not just in it for reasons. Um, She's in it for an actual plot reason. Right. And, you know, the resolution of her mother's science fiction jeopardy is to do with her own nature, um, which Mm -hmm. it just worked really, really well for me. And I thought it's kind of extraordinary, you know, that... You think back to the episode, which I'm now forgetting, where Donna obtained her mental 
had to absorb the mentality, the you know, the mind of of a time lord. You know, she said you know, she was going binary, 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 mm-hmm. and then you know, obviously, RTD. Okay, great, I can work with that, and then I can also use that to talk about an issue that I think it's important for shows like this to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it very, very, very satisfying in that way. Um, and I didn't find it heavy-handed at all. Mm. I found it actually a light touch. Uh, maybe I am comparing it to previous episodes of Doctor Who where the agenda, in inverted commas, has been kind of really heavily thumped on the table. This mm-hmm. I found, I didn't find it heavy at all. This was more woven in. This reminded yeah. me more of uh, how Moffat wove in River Song being a child of the TARDIS. Right. And so she was conceived in the TARDIS and developed, gestated in, inside the TARDIS. That's why, of course, she has some of these uh, Time Lord properties TARDIS powers, of regenera- yeah. regeneration. So I like it when writers can weave in the, the mythology of the show and then use it in a way that helps resolve things in uh, I thought it was I thought it was probably a little bit agenda based but I can tell RTD has gone from just I'm going to slather bad wolf in on every one of my stories rather than I'm going to carefully weave this through the entire narrative to tell a larger story and I think it shows a change of the way that he approaches drama yeah and I I, you know the only I mean and I'm only just saying this in contrast with the Rose Noble storyline. I mean, I, I found the Ruth Madeley unit scientific advisor, I found that more heavy-handed, to be honest. Hmm. But even with that caveat, I thought it was just such a clever way of introducing that character to have her not be able to take the stairs, obviously, up to the doorway of the spaceship. Mm-hmm. So that she doesn't get taken over by the evil Meep yeah. radiation. Yep. And it's oh, great. Okay, that's a really good reason for her to be in a in a wheelchair. Because if she's not in a wheelchair, she would have got taken over as well. And then we lose we we lose one of our allies. Exactly. Um, and then of course they find the lift later on, and mm-hmm. she can get up to the second floor, and it's all good. But I think it's just if you if you're going to have agendas, and there's no reason why you shouldn't. It's your own show, Russell. So you should tell it. Well, and that's what good writing does. Exactly. It does have an it's an agenda. Yeah, and the agenda needs to be organic, and it needs to, from my mind, it should be organic and it should fit with the flow of the show rather than as i'm comparing with you have to take five minutes to go and sit in a cafe for a bit and talk about your problems um (laughs) and uh and yeah and i thought i thought that was it, it was very well executed very well executed well, with Ruth Madeley, her character Shirley Bingham in the wheelchair, I thought Rachel Talloy also blocked those shots excellently. Um, Tennant is over six feet tall. She had him sitting underneath, looking at it in a natural way, not like yeah. in a Tom Baker canine sort of way where you want to get them down to the same level. He was already sitting and she rolled up in her chair at that point. So it wasn't an obvious, oh, I have to come down to see you eye to eye. It was sort of like, no, she's coming to approach him and seeing him eye to eye so that's their first introduction and she knew who he was already and it just by what he was doing and i thought that was a really well directed scene for introducing the two scientific advisors to each other i i hadn't thought of that but yes you're exactly right it was that was it was extremely well done Mm-hmm. And so seamless that I actually hadn't even noticed it until until you just described it. But yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah, another detail that I was thinking about is the gongs and knowing about what's coming forward in because we have have a couple more specials with Tennant with the final one with Neil Patrick Harris the giggle as a toy maker. Do you think there's any connection or any kind of foreshadowing with Rose being a toy maker with all those plush stuffed toys? Could be that that could uh, yes that's 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 certainly <laughs> certainly a possibility i mean i'm i'm pretty sure that that russell has written these i'd be surprised if he hasn't written these three specials as a sing, as a, as one story mm-hmm. um in some way so that, yeah. so there will be threads that will run all the way through again you know living with um i guess my children are actually metaphorically a lot older than the than the rose noble character but anyway you know the love of the plushie is a is a big uh, feature of the <laughs> generation z lifestyle and i thought that was also just really nicely done you know he gave the meep somewhere to hide which creates yep. a great gag um and reminiscence of the comic <laughs> exactly uh it gives us an opportunity to kind of watch again and notice that yes all these plushies are sort of based on doctor who monsters that she remembers from the memories that she has absorbed and Mm -hmm. yeah just very 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 well done and then you know i'm sure there'll be some kind of payoff around that down the line um more of a payoff um yeah that seems very likely to me i mean there's i mean there's one thing that i i was thinking about this myself but again i've read this online the idea that the regeneration into Shooty could be Donna. Okay. Well, they do wear the same jacket, that brown leather jacket. They, <laughs> they wear the same jacket. They wear the same jacket. Um, and, I mean, and this was, again, this is something I read rather than thought myself, but makes sense. The only line we've heard Shooty say so far is, well, I'm going to forget it now, like, what the hell is going on here? That's a Donna thing to say. It is. So I don't know. I mean, there, there's some... And then we have the whole mystery of, like, well, why has Ten's face come back on the 14th mm-hmm. Doctor? And why did the Doctor regenerate in clothes rather than, you know, in his outfit rather right. than in the previous Doctor's outfit? There's a there's some stuff going on here that, again, I, I think we've got some pretty big payoffs down the line. And my I'm 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 putting my money down right now that I think... That there's a possibility that it could be that the regeneration could be Donna's, hmm. not the Doctor's. That could be. Although, didn't Donna give up the Metacrisis? Didn't they just let it go? Uh, they did let it go, but you know it can come back again. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, true. You know, it's 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 Russell T Davis slash Doctor Who. I mean, it, you know, yeah. again, as you pointed out with the resolution of the whole thing, yeah, he, he basically it can all just be waved away according to what feels most satisfying. See, and that would also account for us, you know, beginning a whole new era. So when this isn't going to be season whatever it is, it's going to be mm. number one of something new. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm. Um, could 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 be. yeah I'm, I'm just yeah there's there's other stuff going on there's other stuff going on that is it's going to be a payoff i think at some point any thoughts on who the boss is that beep the meep referenced well i mean obviously we're all thinking it must be the toy maker but too obvious if though, we're maybe. all thinking it must be the toy maker then it's gonna have to be somebody else mm-hmm. is it the master oh the rani's coming. everyone's excited the rani might be coming back or whatever it's gonna have to be someone that we already know um, from the show, um, from the from the from the new Who era, so I don't know. Who do, uh, you, you don't think the do answer's you... staring us in plain sight? The one with the maggots? Oh, you mean boss? 
if it's the actual biomorphic system supervisor, then I will be absolutely <laughs> delighted if if he stroke it returns as a as a malevolent AI. I mean, there you go. That's Stevens. Stevens. I'm <laughs> ripped straight from the headlines. It's a malevolent AI that's trying to take over everything. Though I guess that's a li- little too close to like every other kind of thriller movie at the moment. Mm, it's a malevolent yeah, AI. P- perhaps. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, maybe it's the boss. The boss is back. <laughs> the boss is back. Let us hope. Return of the boss. Return uh, of the maggots. Return of the maggots. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, who, I mean, who would the who would the meep defer to? Who would the most high defer to? It, it seems it's. I mean, the meep is such a egotistical, yeah. um, you know, fascistic, uh, self centered monster that it, it would have to be someone pretty boss like for the meep to obey that boss's instructions. So we'll just have yeah. to find out. Have to wait and see. The master seems like a logical one if you're not going to do the toy maker. So don't know. Yeah, the only spoilers that I'm absorbing or trying to absorb are officially released spoilers. If you see what I mean, um, yeah. there are spoilers out there um, that I have heard. I oh, have heard. It's a it's a mine rich. It's a, a target rich environment when it comes to spoilers. There are spoilers out there, um, so I'm studiously avoiding them. So. Like a you know, like a super injunction, the mere fact that I know there are spoilers out there is a spoiler. Yeah, I've kind of steered clear of all social media. Uh, yeah, I've absolutely. Just, I'm past the point of caring, and you know, especially with the woke or not my doctor. It's just sort of like it's just television. Don't watch if you don't like it, and you if you like, like the it, old don't... stuff, watch the old stuff. It doesn't matter. It's I, literally, I don't, I'm, literally I'm beyond caring at exactly. This, point. this is literally the 60th anniversary of this television show. There are 60 years of Doctor Who that you do like. Go and watch that for a bit, and mm-hmm. then come back some other time, or maybe just stay watching the stuff you do like rather than stuff that you don't. Yeah, I'm I'm totally on board with that. Exactly. Yeah, I'm on Facebook a lot, and I'm a member of the of the Ian Levine um, Facebook page. Oh my! Uh, which gives me lots of insights into the lunacy that is the life of Ian Levine. And there are some right weirdos on that page, I'll have to say, um, who don't like what they see. Um, Ian loves it, though. Oh. Uh, he was he didn't like the comic relief special at all, um, but he... Oh, oh, okay. I like I like Destination Scarl, but okay. Um, I, I, again, <laughs> you don't have to do what Ian Levine says. I, I liked it as well. Um, so anyway, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I, I am picking up a lot of nonsense, but he gets gents. We are in a place where people are told to dislike certain things and then they can't help but dislike them. Um, it's just where we are as a culture, I think, right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. uh, thumbs up, thumbs down on the new console room. Um, It's a bit big. It is huge. Um, And I thought it was funny, not funny, interesting that they let David Tennant run around the whole thing, mm-hmm. proving that it wasn't CGI because <laughs> he could <laughs> run around on it. Um, it's a bit big. It seems a bit echoey. Um, it feels cold. I, 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 well, I guess it's on fire at the end, so maybe yeah. it's not. Well, thank you, Donna. It's, it's, it's not cold. <laughs> it, it felt a little bit cold to me, um, though I was, again, someone posted a kind of a side-by-side image of the colorized Daleks Mm-hmm. the TARDIS control room and this new control room and they look actually very similar and actually have a similar big size studio size to them mm-hmm. um, probably my favourite TARDIS interior on balance in the new era has got to be the Capaldi yeah. one I really like that one I thought that was a nice balance of futuristic stuff and H.G. Wells time machine stuff mm-hmm. 
this is obviously really pushing the futuristic, mm-hmm. which is fine. Except for the console. Except for the console, which has still got levers and stuff on it. Yep. You know, I think what it does prove, not prove, I think what is indubitably the case is this is the in, this is the console room for Shuti Gatwa as well, because they're well, not going to mm-hmm. build another one, right? They didn't build this one just for three episodes. I don't know. Surely. Disney money. I don't know. Well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm, well, and the other thing is, he, he is the tenant doctor, the forty doctor hadn't seen it before. No, that's true. But presumably, he had seen it before because he'd arrived in the TARDIS. Yeah. So whether the TARDIS had changed the desktop pattern, you know, while he was out, um, as a, <laughs> as a nice surprise, it reverted back to Coral, and then now this is new. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't seen the inside of the TARDIS, I don't think, in the in the DWM strip. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering. Yeah, he hasn't spent much time in the TARDIS, though, in the strip. No, you know, he's been newly, he's been dashing around on various kind of interdimensional scarrows. Yeah. I haven't really enjoyed the comic strip that much, this last run mm-hmm. of it, unfortunately. Um, but it's nice that it's back. It's nice that it's back. It's well drawn. I like Lee Sullivan. He does good Daleks. Um, it's always nice to see the Golden Emperor, who's my favorite Dalek of all time. Yep. Alan Barnes is really right. His scripts are too complicated, and mm. they are too self-referential, which I guess is what they were going for. But um, just bring back Scott Gray, really, please. He was just the, the greatest writer for the Doctor Who strip in DWM in the past couple of decades. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, so uh, do you want to talk about the the Children in Need episode? Oh, well, I'll just uh, say my two cents about the TARDIS. I, oh, of course. Sorry. I think a very welcome return to the white console rooms that we had in the right. effectively Tom Baker era on right. uh, until, until the show was canceled or put on indefinite hiatus in 89. So I liked seeing that. I did, did think it was way more cavernous than it needed to be, but... It can't be that much more expensive if they have a big sound stage. Why not use all the space for it? That's true. No, you're probably right about that. Probably just as expensive to build a smaller one as as it is to build a big one. The one thing I would have liked to see, the one detail that I really would have liked to see is to have the roundels uh, staggered rather than all in line. I would like to see the uh, interlocking, the offset roundels that we've had in the classic era going back to the original. What do you think of the um, the potential to have a kind of a disco in there with like all different well, lights? I, I think that's obviously going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, or because I mean, won't uh, Shooty's Doctor start in the '60s and go in the '70s and the early '70s? It'll be a you know horror of glam rock type story, and then we'll It'll have be like a huge rave in the disco inferno and just getting down. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Because um. <laughs> I mean, Shooty is gonna Shooty's gonna rock the ruffles. I mean, he, he's the other uh, slut doctor. <laughs> Isn't that what he called Pertwee? Uh, yes, yes, he is. He's he's going to be the glam. He's going to be the glam doctor. Yep. The return of the glam doctor. Yes, exactly. So we will see. I, but um, yeah, I can totally envision the uh, um, disco, the, the the mirrored balls coming out of the roundels. <laughs> <laughs> the return of Ra Ra Rasputin. <laughs> It could be. It yeah. could be. Maybe maybe uh, Boney M is the boss. Could be. Yeah, well, we exactly. I mean, you know, the whole reason why the master 
was in uh, revolutionary Russia <laughs> was in order to be able to play that song. So yeah, um, obviously the ma the master is a big fan, uh, uh, not just a big fan of Boney M. He is a huge fan of Boney M, and he's probably doing Boney M's bidding. They are the boss. <laughs> there you go. There Heard you it here go. first. Exactly. Oh, so, okay, going children in need special. I laughed a lot. I thought Julian Bleach's portrayal of Davros, uh, as an actor, I could see totally why, given the opportunity not to be in the mask, you just get so much more of the expressions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was played for laughs, and it was funny. It was played for laughs. It's Red Nose Day. It's a comedy night. Mm -hmm. It's always played for laughs. My take on the whole, you know, I don't want to even call it a controversy because it's just a nonsense. I mean, my take is that it's practical reasons. It's it's literally five minutes. They're not going to dust off the Davros chair, give it a new coat of paint, put Julian Bleach, make him a new latex mask, make him up, stick him in the chair, wheel him on for, you know, three minutes worth of audio. Let him, you know, so obviously he was going to play it out of the chair. And obviously the way he played out of the chair was, you know, Grand Moff Tarkin, Cadaverous, mm -hmm. you know, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, you know, um, knuckle-cracking <laughs> psychopath. And right. it was great. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this marks the, the end of Davros or the beginning of a new Davros or whoever who cares. It was a throwaway. It was a throwaway five mm -hmm. minutes, which we should not be obsessing about. Where I did think they missed a trick is to not tie in that Dalek with the colorized Daleks that was broadcast the following Wednesday. Mm. I would love mm. to have seen that Dalek that had the, you know, the, the gripping claw. I'd love to have seen that to have been an original dead planet Scarrow yes. Dalek. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, with the blue blue globes. And they've got plenty of those. I etheric mean, beam locators. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> just get a just get a fan one. If you haven't got one in stock, there's plenty of fan ones around. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I, that, that's, that's what made me not irritated. I would think, oh, yeah, I, I would have done that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, I mean, you know, but just, you know, the whole <laughs> plunger thing, because it is ridiculous. The mm -hmm. Daleks are ridiculous. It Everyone is. knows how ridiculous mm -hmm. they are. The Daleks know how ridiculous they are. That's why they cross all the time. <laughs> I think it was uh, RTD having a bit of a laugh, too, because Rob Sherman made a big deal about the plunger and how deadly right. it was in <laughs> Dalek true. way back in That's 2005 true. or That's true. whatnot within the Eccleston story. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of a full circle in, in modern who. Yeah. And it, and it, again, you know, to, to have the bleach Davros just be like, yeah, I love it. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like you're crazy. It's that. It's, that's where I lost it's, it. It's, it's that's where, that's where I started just going. Yeah, this is this is yeah. You got this me. Is, this is this funny. is a joke. Exactly. Yeah. It's like yes, uh, Davros is obviously insane because he thinks that the plunger <laughs> is better than the amazing <laughs> gripping claw. Um, it was, right. a, it was a really great, really <laughs> great moment. Really, really great mm -hmm. moment. And uh, yes, I, RTD is uh, ruffling feathers and alienating people with the whole bits of wheelchairness. And I, you got to look at RTD's body of work as a whole, not as an individual five minute serial. And he is deliberately saying things to be provocative yeah. as a showrunner. Yeah. I mean, he came out swinging on that one. And why shouldn't he? It's his show. The first thing, you know, what was it? Moffat says the doctor lies, but really the showrunners right. lie equally as much or do things to agent provocateurs exactly. in many exactly, ways. No. And, and perhaps 
every showrunner that we've had now in the modern era has thumbed their nose at fandom in some way or another. So, and this is RTD kicking it up a notch. Um, looking back now, almost 20 years, the uh, hullabaloo over the, the gay, gay agenda. agenda. God, I forgot all about that one. To, I mean, just, just seems comical perhaps now. Yeah. And it's just, just reflect on what's going on. Yeah, the, you know, whatever agendas are going on. I, I mean, I think it's kind of it's it's fascinating if you think. I mean, I've, I've, I'm now actually thinking about it. You know, think how they had um, Gareth Roberts writing for the show, who's of course kind of flipped straight into the kind of Graham Linehan like insane um, anti-trans camp. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's so reflective of 20 years ago. You know how how things change, how culture mm-hmm. changes. Um, and there was, I think, as again, we've, we've said very often on this podcast, the awesome thing about Doctor Who is it it's a core sample of how British and now I think probably international uh, international attitudes slash cultures have changed over a 60 year period. Well, you would not have Disney picking this up in 2005. No, not at all. That is how much the show has changed. And. Yes, RTD is driving his personal beliefs, but that's what he was hired to do. Yeah, of course. And that's what every showrunner does. It's what do you have a vision for the show? I think right now it's pretty obvious what RTD's vision of the show. And for me, I still get the Blu-rays. I get the Doctor Who that I grew up with. It doesn't change the fact that, okay, Davros is now not in a wheelchair and not horribly disfigured or disformed. Not a single Davra story has been wiped. You can go get them. They're on DVD. They're on iPlayer. You can go get them. You can watch them. And if you like them better, they're they're not being hidden from you. RTD is making them. Absolutely. He made them with BBC available to all. They're not being hidden away. Even the Talents of Wang Chang, which, you know, has problems. It's problems. (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, my own personal headcanon, as much as I love Terry Malloy, is that there was only, there's only been one Davros story, <laughs> which is Genesis of the Daleks. Hmm. Um, and Davros dies at the end of that. And I don't know, there's some other Davroses. I don't know where they, where they come from. Uh, I don't really care. Um, and I enjoy them on their own yep. merits. But, you know, there is only one real Davros for yeah. me. I would have liked Davros to be a one and done character, but you know, honestly, I like Terry Malloy. Yeah, I like I like his portrayals. I don't like the three eighties Dalek stories very much. No, and I like Julian Bleach as Davros, but I think I might like him more as this new Destination Scarrow Davros. I just think it was yeah. There's more to be interested in with the new Davros for me than the Davros that has been kind of a retread since uh, 1975 with uh, Genesis. And I think if having a, if having a able body, whatever you want to call it, able, a, you know, a non-wheelchair Davros confines Davros to one particular point in time, i.e. the Genesis of the Daleks, um, that would make me very, very happy. Um, because then the Daleks are free to be their own thing without having, you know, Davros having to be, right. have to, having to show up every 10 seconds. Um, because he's a human who will die um, rather than this immortal kind of arch enemy who just kind of apparently is around forever for reasons um, best known to himself. Daleks, I Uh, think, are better when they're not uh, with Davros. I I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And um, just go back to your point about agendas. It's, as I said, he's clear that RTD2 has got a vision for what the show should be. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited to see where this is going to go. And I, I'm excited to see, you know, we've got three specials 
to come, including the Christmas special with Shooty, all penned by RTD. Um, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see how he can galvanize some new writers going forward. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all unfurls. Uh, anyway, I think uh, two thumbs up for the Starbeast. Two thumbs up. It was really, I, I, bottom line for me, it was great seeing Beep the Meep, Wraith Warriors. Everyone had, all the cast had things to do, had their own bit of business. I really liked Doctor Who Unleashed when uh, Pat Mills and Dave Gibbons were on the soundstage meeting Tennant, meeting the Meep. If, if you haven't seen the Unleashed bit and if you're an old school comic fan or old old school uh, fan of you know 80s doctor who it was just nice seeing those two creative individuals seeing and let's i mean let's seeing just, their thing realized and yeah and let's just do, do a shout out to russell and to bad wolf to have the comic book originators of this story to have a co-writing slash creation credit along with russell t davis on the mm-hmm. you know on the 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 top plate of the of yep. the the credit sequence that is unprecedented um you look all of those marvel movies you have to dig around in the deep back credits of that to discover anybody who's worked on comics um mm-hmm. same with the dc movies as well so to 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 i mean i and i hope i mean i I mean, I hope. Um, well, that, no, actually, I I know this. There was a direct payment made to because Pat Mills said it on Twitter the other day. Um, there was a direct payment both to Pat and to Dave for their work on the show by Bad Wolf. They've not got anything from Panini, of course. The, the people who actually get all the money from adapting this story, but you know, it's just um, just it's they're treating these people as they should be treated Mm -hmm. um and i think is indicative of the fact that russell t davis is someone who knows to do knows how to do the right thing and is also able to keep so many plates spinning in the air at any one time it's just kind of beggar's belief i don't know when he sleeps basically hopefully not until he steps down as showrunner (laughs) yeah and i mean i what i hope actually at the moment I'm sure he is because he's a sensible chap. I've just said, you know, he keeps all these plates spinning. I hope we are already working on who those showrunners are going to be. That is my hope that the first season of Shooty Gatwa as the 15th Doctor will see some emerging talents. Yes, absolutely. That should be the point of getting people to write for the show is kind of developing those talents to want to be the runners of this show and this show is now an international show with disney money we can have americans coming and run it that's fine i don't have to be british people we should be throwing this wide open to all of the talent across the across the english-speaking world indeed and also other people who speak not english as well i don't know anyway um yeah so yeah two (laughs) thumbs up very excited looking forward to the coming weekend i'm looking forward to our next jadoon showrunner (laughs) go 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 Uh, (laughs) <laughs> okay, fine. Um, Ogrons. We should get Ogrons r- r- running. <laughs> no complications. Oh, uh, <laughs> anyway. All right. I think we've I've, we've run out of fumes. No more viewing fumes well, left. <laughs> no more viewing fumes left. Um, yeah, if you haven't watched it, go away and watch it. It's really good. Yep. An enjoyable hour of television. Absolutely. Which is what the show should be it should be an enjoyable hour of television that's the that is the absolute bottom line all right well thank you for listening to episode 236 of the metabolist tube podcast i have been hailing the most high with ben all hail the most high that's all i can say i'm hail hail the meme (laughs) 
<laughs> that was, that also was absolutely hilarious. I mean, straight from the script. Oh, that's another yeah. chef kiss back to the comic. Exactly, Perfect. exactly. That's to, uh, that's totally Pat Mills' sense of humor, basically. Yep. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Until next time. Goodbye. with this.